And ladies and gentlemen, we are live. It is October 3rd, 2022. This is the Voice of Reason podcast. As always, my name is Sean Phillips, and I am joined alongside my two co-hosts, the great and powerful Travis Kirkendall and Andy Van Bever. Gentlemen, how are you both doing i tell you what, I felt like I have been missing a part of my life for a week. But between the three of us, we are three busy suckers. That's just all there is to it. Yeah, lately it's been like we weren't even able to have the show last week. It was just crazy. And this, I almost had to call and cancel the night on you guys. And thank God it worked out. It's just well, been, tra- been kind of nuts lately. Travis, you no offense, brother, but you look like you've been rode hard and put up wet. So yeah, we've been. Uh, well, we're working and. Uh, indiana right now and it's almost two hour drive there and a two hour drive home so you work you know 11 12 hours you're gone yeah it it's been wearing me out i can only imagine that sean what's going on on the production side of your life um well you know uh always busy um the 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 last couple of weeks have kind of been absolutely insane um a couple pretty big things are actually in the works that again i'm not going to speak on until they kind of happen um don't want to don't want to jinx anything but no things are good um bunch of really good events coming up here in october november will be good and then december uh well we're actually going to be in arizona so i get to spend a couple days in phoenix and kind of get to do a mini vacay but then also work um hopefully see like some family that i haven't seen in a couple years so yeah it's it's good. Just now we're, we're prepping for the busy season. Um, you know, boxing events and MMA events coming up that we, we also help co-produce. So it's just never ending. It feels like, but, but that's what, that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's good. Well, I, <clears throat> I didn't share this with you guys before we got on tonight, but Friday night was nonetheless interesting. I've been traveling a lot with Bradley on cross country and everything. And then, uh, so Friday night, I said, we're going to relax. You know, Janine's battery was dead in our van, so I had to get a new battery. And I said, before we, I put the new battery in, I got home Saturday from cross-country meet, and I, I laid down, I fell asleep on the couch. And then I started watching the Rings of Power series and got into that. And then about 7 o'clock, Bradley comes upstairs. She's getting ready to take a shower, and, she said, "Dad, there's there's water in the in the basement. There's coming from the ceiling." I'm like, "Oh my god!" So I go downstairs and I've got about nine ceiling tiles that are just bulging down with water. And oh, no. and so I said, "Run upstairs and turn it," because I had a feeling where it was coming from. I said, "Turn the dishwasher off." And then I went up, and while I pulled out all these ceiling tiles, they just I just barely poked them, and they all just started collapsing. And I had water and Mustard ceiling tiles everywhere, and uh, went upstairs, and sure enough, the drain pipe from the uh, dishwasher that goes into your drain had popped off. The clamp had popped off, and so <laughs> put all that back up, tear all that down, and I cleaned it all out, and we rolled the area rug that we had downstairs. I had about an inch of water on that, and. We just throw the area rug out in the in the driveway and let it air dry for 24 hours. And then uh, I bought ceiling tile yesterday, and I finished putting it up today, actually just about an hour ago. So, yeah, that was, and then, you know, out $200 on a battery, out 70-some-odd dollars with ceiling tile and everything. So it's been one of those weekends that, you know, you just rather just sit in a tub full of scissors and just think about life. Well, I'm glad. I'm really glad that. Yeah, right. No, I'm. I'm glad that it wasn't like a like a burst, like a broken pipe. Or oh, that's what like I was that. afraid. Involved, that's like, what I was serious. Yeah. yeah. Some serious kind of plumbing or anything like that, because then that's even worse. Because then you have the plumber coming over when you're not home. 
Yeah. And then you just got other things you got to worry about if he's coming back and the pipes have been fixed for a couple months and you're just like, what are you still doing here? And then you know what's really happening. But I'm I'm glad that uh, yeah, we we got things that they're not too terrible. That no, good. no, no, we're good. We we are we are good. And uh, oh, Colby Coleman, our faithful listener, said to ask you, you got any pro wrestling come and events coming up, Sean? Uh, yeah, me myself, wrestling, no, um, n- uh, not. Not myself. Uh, pretty soon here, um, I I plan on getting to wrestling again. It's just it's it's not right yet. Um, I got to knock off some ring rust and stuff like that. But as far as yeah, wrestling events, yeah, um, we do our television taping um, October twenty third. Pretty big card. Uh, WWE superstar Carlito Ooh. will be there. Gangrel is going to be there Ooh. as well as all the United Wrestling Network. Wow. Um, individuals we've had in the past like i said uh november should be a good show but then december in arizona mesa to be exact we're at a pretty big venue uh and then on top of that it's going to be one of our super cards so there's going to be um a bunch of different big name talents from all over that are coming in a bunch of big surprises uh like booker t again something like that maybe maybe so yeah yeah just some just some cool stuff like that um yeah but but otherwise no kind of same old same old again some cool things in the work, but I, I am not going to get into them you now. Don't jinx um, yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but again, a, a conversation for another day once uh, the ink is dried. And you know, we'll we'll put it that way. Also, your buddy Ronnie Pack says the beard beard's looking good, Phillips. So. Hey, well, your beard for hey, you. yeah, this is. Go, yeah, go, yeah, hey, yeah. you know what? Go ahead and take the hat off. Go ahead and show him what's underneath the hat. Show him. Uh, yeah, not yet. They'll, they'll, they'll be able to see that one day, but not today. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we have an interesting show lined up and we all, you know, we were talking about last week that we could, well, you know, somebody, Travis said, well, you know, we could, we could do this show without one of us. I was like, I want us all three to be in the room when we, I mean, not, you know, I, I want, cause this is a big topic that we're going to be straddling tonight. And this is, <clears throat> it's a topic that can. It affects, uh, it really affects all of us. Uh, Travis and I are personally um, affected by this because Travis's wife is from Venezuela. My children are from China. And when you look at anything that deals with immigration, this is another one of those polarizing issues that can split your country right down the middle. And from events that had happened uh, two weeks ago. Was it two weeks ago? It was two weeks ago, right? For which specific event? For when uh, DeSantis sent his people. Uh, it was roughly two weeks ago. Yeah, so, yeah I would say two weeks yeah, ago. So Ron DeSantis had sent uh, a group of immigrants to Martha's Vineyard, correct? Mm-hmm. And Governor yeah, Greg And Governor Greg Abbott uh from Texas sent his sent a group of um, undocumented uh, immigrants to uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's basically her front door. And when you look at all the stuff that they sent them with, they I mean practically, I don't even know if MapQuest is still a thing or not. I mean, but it looked like MapQuest directions on how to get to the address. Yeah, and so we're 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 going to kind of kind of delve in, and we definitely are looking good, looking for you guys to kind of comment tonight on the chat line. Um, we're going to be going over a lot of different topics, and first of all, I think one of the common questions, guys, that I get as a teacher is, what's involved in the process? What does it take? <laughs> as you know, and for naturalization. Accepting cases of adoption, which that, there's a, that's a different category, but we're not going to go down that road. I just want to, in general, okay, the first thing is that an applicant for naturalization has to be 18. Um, they have to establish legal permanent residence in the United States, and I believe they have to, they have to be physically present in the United States for 30 months. Um, the app, the naturalization applicant has to show good 
what they consider, this is not my words, this is NCIS's words, um, good moral behavior. And they said, like, murder convictions are a permanent obstacle to naturalization, as are aggravated felony convictions. Um, certain criminal convictions in the five years prior to applications, stuff like that. Um, they have to be able to uh, support and defend the United States Constitution. I guess that's kind of similar to the oath that you guys take whenever you sign up. Um, they have to, <coughs> excuse me, they have to pass the citizenship test, which is a 100-question test, which is a side note, I, as a social studies teacher, government teacher, as of 2020, Missouri uh, Missouri high school seniors have to pass the citizenship to be able the citizenship test to be able to get a diploma, um, and then they have to take the oath of allegiance. So, those are your basic requirements. When you look and at a the, lot of money, well, you know. So, what you look at up front, okay. The current naturalization fee for U.S. citizenship application, just the application, is seven twenty-five. Okay, that's just the application. Okay, then you have to go through biometrics, which again, it, it's also very inconvenient because when we when we adopted our kids, the nearest biometrics place that we could go to, and I know they do it up at Bowling Green. But the nearest place that we, we could go to was over Decatur, Illinois, which is 30 minutes on the other side of Springfield. And then you go over there. And then if you want to expedite your visa process, you can do a rapid visa process, which can be, you know, a lot more money. And then there's just the mess of forms and all of the crap that yes. you, you have to fill out. Now, you say, well, pfft. $725, that's, you have to remember, in some of these Central American countries, that's a, I would say that's close to a year's wage. Oh, 100%, especially with the inflation that they're dealing with. Right, there. right. So, and then, <clears throat> and of course you can get green cards. Green cards are basically your long-term, your long-term uh, visas for you. So you can get a green card. Resident. Yeah. So you can get a green card through a family member, whether your immediate relative is a U.S. citizen. Um, you have a fiance of a U.S. citizen, uh, a widower of a U.S. citizen. Um, and then they have an, uh, I found this one interesting. What's called a victim of battery or extreme cruelty, abuse spouse of a U.S. citizen or lawful permanent resident. Hmm. So, Okay. I didn't you, know that one. Yeah. Uh, green card through deployment, obviously, immigrant worker. Uh, you have what's called the physician, which a lot of these doctors get in on what's called a physician's national interest waiver, or an immigrant investor. If you've invested or are actively investing at least over one uh, $1,050,000, <laughs> you can get a green card. Um, a special immigrant could be a religious worker. Um, a special immigrant juvenile, okay, because you've been abused. And then they have a category just for Afghanistan or Iraq nationals, um, an international broadcaster, um, refuse. And the biggest one, the, 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 the most popular one that is granted is asylee and refugee. So you're, you're, you're asking for a green card for asylum or refugee from political situations. Uh, there are green cards for human trafficking and crime victims, green cards for victims of abuse. Um, and then there's just, there's a whole, just uh, some special categories. All that being said, the process can be quite extensive to get, you know, to, to get into the country. And it is very time-consuming. Now, like we said, they can give expedited visas, all right? In our case, our adoption process took 13 months. I can tell you that the majority of that time, I would say six and a half to seven months of that, was applying for the visa for our children and the citizenship papers. 
Now that's not the the whole citizenship process. Then is just a whole other thing, but it it was a lot easier for our kids because they got in. Take all Can that. Can I in. make a note? Yeah, go ahead. Um, just to go off of what you're saying, um, you can do that whole process. You can pay the application, and it's no guarantee that you even get it. I mean, when I say no guarantee, depending on the country, and from my experience, South American countries, it is almost impossible to get approved for a visitor visa, a student visa. It is near impossible. My just quick story. My my sister in law has applied three times, got denied every single time, and there's no refund for it either. The government no. keeps the money, and what? they don't they don't give you an answer either as to why you got denied. So right. right off the bat, I want people to realize it's a very hard, some somewhat near impossible <laughs> process depending on where you're coming from. So. There's de so there's definitely a some countries have it. So okay, so you mentioned so here are the top. Here's some of our top countries that's hardest to get a visa from this country to this country: North Korea, China, mm -hmm. Russia, Saudi Arabia, Bhutan, which is on that Arabian Peninsula. Uh, obviously, Russia, um, Pakistan, Nigeria. Turkmenistan. Um, what else was on? That, those were the those were the top. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So those are the the hard, the nine hardest countries to get visas from. So I mean, because for many of these, and like I said, when we went through the. And the Chinese, I will say this for the Chinese, the Chinese have it down to an art form to where you, they, I mean, in our agency that we worked with is great. They're like, da, 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 da. It, here's this, here's this, here's this. It was more expensive for us for the fees that we had to pay for China than it was for here in the United States. I can guarantee you, I'd, I dropped somewhere in the neighborhood of, Twelve to thirteen thousand dollars, just on all the stuff that I sent to China, and that was that was to get those kids here from there to here. And I mean, they—I mean, there's no, there's no wiggle room. So when you look at the process to get to America, we've and we've come a long way. We used to back in the nineteen early nineteen hundreds. We had a lot, we had various, we had various laws that were in place. Uh, some that just come to mind, right? The Immigration Restriction League pushed Congress to push for in the early, uh, this was at the height of the first Red Scare after 1917. A certain percentage of, you know, like, okay, we're going to say in uh, people that are coming here from, let's say, Romania. Okay, per year, what they would do is they would allow a certain percentage of those people from those countries to come in. And coming into the country was pretty much as simple as you getting on the boat, coming over to Ellis Island um, on the East Coast and Angel Island on the West Coast over in San Francisco, you know, proving that you have a sponsor or you, you had to have a sponsor. You had to have someone who could vouch for you. You had a place to go. And, and you could, and if you didn't, you know, it's like, okay, okay, here's our percentage from Romanians. We can only accept this much. And then we move them on, you know? So the doors were open pretty wide from the 1880s until about the 1920s because of the industrial, second industrial revolution, the growth in factories, the growth in material production, we had a need for workers and we, some, you know, there were those people who said, okay, we, we want immigrants, but we don't want all the filth that comes with them because we can pay them cheaper. They're expendable and we can, you know, the language barrier and all that other stuff. And so you saw a lot of reform then after, um, Teddy Roosevelt became president, he, he made a push 
with uh, some of the immigration laws and reform those between him, Taft, and Wilson, three progressive presidents worked very hard to streamline the immigration process. And so it's been a building process along the way. But I would say some of these, it's funny, you mentioned a couple things. Some of the issues that people had with immigrants, even back then, we're seeing the same thing yes. today. Yeah, I was going to say that. Almost yeah. the exact same thing, it sounds like. Yeah. One of the things, um, that, the whole thing, and back in the day, uh, I'll mention the Chinese immigration. Uh, the uh, I forget what it's called. The Asian, it wasn't China, just Chinese. It was the Asian, Asian restriction law. And the the in California, the Californians worked hard to keep Japanese from owning property. They said only American-born citizens could own property. So what a lot of these Japanese um, people would do was their children who were born in the United States, they deeded, <laughs> they would deed their property over to their, in some cases, you know, little little kids yeah the child yeah and so and but i mean you could the railroads the railroads brought in when they built the transcontinental railroad they brought in tons of chinese because you could pay them half of what you were paying coming across from the east you had you had the irish you had civil war veterans you had all these guys, but the Chinese man, and they would work hard, and there were a lot of them. And they did some of the suckiest work there was, like when they were going through the mountains, planting planting dynamite charges into the side of the mountains and, you know, doing all the dirty work. So our, we do not, I, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface our, our discussion as we move on, to say that we have not been the innocent party in this either. We have done our due diligence to screw immigrants over. That's a generational thing that has been going on for a long time. No, 100%. So, um, well, oh yeah, I guess I'll get into some numbers here. I got mm -hmm. pulled up for you guys. So yeah. this first set of numbers, this is from the Customs and Border Patrol website. And this was this report was as of January 22, and it I'll get into some later dates as well. So as of January 2022, uh, the number of unique individuals encountered was 111,437, an 18% decrease from the prior month of December. And um, for, there was 153. 1,941 encounters along the southwest border in January, a 14 decrease compared to December. But that's kind of the numbers that we were seeing at the beginning of the year was around 110 to 150,000. Fast forward to now, May, uh, the U.S. saw the largest number of migrants arrested and encountered along the southern border since Customs and Border Protection began counting numbers of migrants encountered since the year 2000. Uh, CBP encountered 239,416 migrants along the southwest land border in May. And I guess this was an increase from April as well. And 25% of those encounters were previously arrested and deported by CBP. So people are trying to re-enter. The past four months, according to CBP statistics, migrant numbers along the southern border have increased steadily over 200,000 each month. So wow. there's more and more people that are coming. Uh, and there's increased, they have breakdown the numbers as well. You know, there's more unaccompanied minors are coming, like kids. You're seeing uh, just a, a larger influx of people. And they're taking huge risks to do it, too. Um, I don't think people realize some, some of these people, you know, they're coming from Venezuela, Colombia, these yeah, it's Central not just, South it's not American just countries. Yeah, it's not just popular to... or Contrary to popular belief, there's more to South America than just Mexico <laughs> for our people in Pike County. Um, <laughs> but uh, sorry, I'm just joking. Sean, what kind of, a, when you're in, in California, what are, so in, in the Los Angeles area, so just kind of give us a little bit of, as far as geography goes, how long of a drive is it from Los Angeles, would you say, down to... 
down there to uh, Me to the Mexican border. I don't know, but I've been told like three and a half, four hours. So what do you see a lot? I mean, do you see, uh, obviously do you see a lot of Latinos in Los Angeles? Obviously. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it really just kind of depends on, like, the part of L.A. that you're in. Um, but, yeah, like, it really just depends. Um, but I'm trying to think of, like, places where I've seen, like, more of a Hispanic community than, um, like, our neighborhood's pretty diverse. Like, like, where we live, there's people from all walks of life. But then, like, there's, like, different kind of sections. So, like, Van Nuys, um, for example in uh in the valley has like a huge um latino um like huge huge group of latinos that live out there and i when you go shopping out there the restaurants even like the not restaurants the uh the businesses like aldi's for example has the like a huge hispanic food section that like other aldi's like in, in troy or whatever wouldn't would not have right but but it's a huge part of the store there um, same with like the WalMarts and even like the Costcos. They they carry a lot of different products that you like would typically associate with um, Hispanics, like that they that they regularly consume or, or would have um, in um, in South America. So, um, but Van is pretty big because even like there's like certain strip street and like all the business names and everything are all like in Spanish. So it's the same thing. Like you can go to Koreatown, and, and everything out there is Korean. So I mean, yeah, there's there's different kind of sections where. I I was quite amused, and Travis, I get your input on this too, since you're Chicago man. When I I've I have visited downtown. I've stayed in um, I've stayed in various parts of Chicago. Um, I've stayed, there's a, I think it was like a Marriott that was like a mile up from Union Station. Uh, we stayed, we, one time Janine and I went there and we stayed in, they said it was Greek town and, <laughs> and Greek, uh, Greek town to me was totally cool. You know, when you go down, what do they call down there below, uh, uh, little Italy is like down there, everything south of soldier field pretty much is like little Italy. And then you yeah, get they got Little Italy, they got uh, Chinatown. I mean, they yeah. got very diverse. And even the neighborhood we lived in, Irving Park, was a very uh, majority Hispanic Latino community, and Latin community, I should say. And then when you get out into the suburbs, I always thought it interesting, and it was something my brother-in-law's kind of joked about. But it was like, you know, they were living in these. Well, they, my one brother lit. He's an engineer for uh, General Electric building. He actually designs and builds uh, electro electro electric um, locomotives. And you know, you say you you know when you go into his neighborhood, you can tell you're in the affluent middle class neighborhoods. But then you have these houses that are in Bolingbrook. You know, at a lot of these southern in there. And I was like, you know, and I saw some signs that are like, oh, houses from the 150s. And I thought, that's kind of cheap for Chicagoland, isn't it? And my brother-in-law was he's like, yeah, that's where all the Mexicans live. And, you know, what America was founded upon was this ideal that, you, you know, when you, when you talk about what, what we're a nation of immigrants, we are a nation of immigrants. And yes, there are those people who have native American roots and those little people who do settle down here, but it's kind of like, you know, I, I think back to the whole, the whole story about, you know, what, when, when you built the statue of Liberty and in the base of the statue of Liberty is Emma Lazarus poem, uh, that was, um, that was, that it was, it was, um, called the new, it was called the new Colossus, you know, give me your tired, give me your poor, give me your huddled masses yearning to be free. Okay. And now we put up the sign that says no vacancy and we have become a nation of people who are very, uh, is, is xenophobic the right word to use? I don't know. Is, is that the right word to use xenophobic? That we are, we are racist we, ass honkies is the term here. <laughs> <laughs> is 
Yeah, there you go. Thanks, thanks, Sean. I knew I could count on you. Uh, I would agree with that. I would agree with your statement. Well, but, I actually had to Google what that meant, but yeah. I, I, uh, yay. Uh, Travis, I have, a, I, have a, I have a question for you. So okay. um, with, with your wife being from Venezuela, um, mm-hmm. so, so question, because I, I don't want to generalize or get anything wrong. I'm, I'm, with her being from Venezuela, she uses terms like Latino, Latina, right? Like when talking mm-hmm. about like people or like things like that. Okay. Yeah, Latin America. So has she, has she like given any input? Like, have you, have you guys heard the term Latinx? Is that like a thing you guys have, have heard before? I have heard it before. She's I never mentioned not. it, but I've seen it on the internet. I have not. Okay. So like Lat, Latinx is like a white people thing um, yes. that was made up to like non- to, to non-genderize like Latin Americans. So like, they're not Latino, they're not Latina, they're Latinx. And um, it was just funny because like, I have seen online that like people that are Latin American are like, that's the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard of. They're like, well, no. Everything it's, in it's, Spanish it's... is is male, female. Like right. everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, 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 White people made up this Latinx thing to, you know, um, like to 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 not genderize or, or stereotype words, Latin words, wow. um, and it was just funny, uh, like, like 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 Spanish words, not that, not not Latin, Spanish words, and it was just funny because while here in Los Angeles, of course, I it was the first time I heard a person say like, yeah, it was a Latinx person, and I was like. What the hell are you talking about? And they're like, yeah, they were Latinx. And I was like, Latino? And they're like, well, I don't know that. And I'm just like, get well, the fuck out of California, here. Like, buddy. Yeah, right. Well, oh, I guess awesome. we... And she was very, very white. <laughs> right. Oh, my so, God. Well, I don't know. What is, I mean, before we get into this discussion a little bit further... Just from your viewpoint as a Travis, as a as a husband of a of a naturalized citizen, give us a little bit of a look into how your wife sees or what you perceive that she sees with this whole situation. Uh, I mean, so her process, she. So backstory, my wife came here on a student visa. I met her, we got married, and she was able to gain permanent residence through our marriage. Uh, she's got her permanent residence now. We're about to renew. We just did the two-year renewal, and then after the two-year, we get the 10-year one, and then she can apply for citizenship. Um, to kind of answer your question, of course, you know, my wife's very grateful to be here. Has nothing but great things to say about this country. I mean... Venezuela is in shambles. They're facing yeah. a huge, terrible economic situation, and they're owned by a dictator. Like, yeah. It's terrible. A lot of bad things happen there. So she's very thankful to be here. Um, but I think what frustrates her most, well, two things. One, and it's just for because she is from, because she's Latin, and because a lot of her work experience and her professional experience isn't here in the United States, she doesn't get a chance at hell at a lot of these jobs that she's very qualified for. Like she applies for these marketing positions all the time. And she's, when she's went to university, she worked for really big companies on their marketing teams in Venezuela. Um, but she doesn't even, they don't even blink an eye at her resume just because of her background and where she's from. So when people say that stuff doesn't matter, um, I used to say the same thing. Um, and then now I'm seeing the situation with her. It's, it's not. It's not true. I didn't realize that um, she went. She was. She went to Canada for a little while when she went to university. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No. Well, um, what she needs to start doing is like on her resume with her name put like um, Danny Brylin Kirkendall Smith, and then they won't skip over like. The resume. They'll just be like, this is the whitest name that we've ever seen. Yeah, I think she just needs to change her last name. It'll just solve everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, But to go, not just a work situation, too. Like, um, so like her situation with her mom and her sister, uh, her mom's visa, her mom's tourist visa just expired. 
Um, and we're trying to figure out how to get that renewed. And that's, they're saying it's the process just for renewal of, oh, it was a passport renewal. It's like two years. And that's not even a guarantee it gets done in two years. It gets done. Yeah. And then her sister, her sister has applied. So her sister had a tourist visa. She w- traveled. She was trying to come to the Venice, to the U.S. to see her dad. Border Patrol or whoever it was stopped her, asked her why she was coming to the country. And mind you, she's had a tourist visa since she was a kid. She's, they've used to come to this Disneyland like every year as a family. Um, immigration stopped her, asked her why she was coming to the country. She said, well, I'm coming to see my, my father. He lives in Chicago, my sister too. And they said, no. Let me see your let me see your visa. Took her visa away, denied it, didn't give any explanation, and told her to leave. She's applied three times since then, has been denied every single time without explanation. So my wife's, I would say, I'm, she's not here to say this, but what I think it is, she's grateful to be here, but she's very frustrated by the lack of support, not just for her family. This is the Venezuelan situation. It's just the one I'm most fluent and I see. It's so hard. Like there is almost, there's literally no support for the people at all. Like there is none. And this whole thing about, oh, well, Biden's doing the sanctions, Trump's doing the sanctions. I don't think people realize who sanctions actually hurt. Sanctions are meant to hurt the people, which in turn hopefully hurts the government. Mm -hmm. But when the government's a dictatorship that doesn't give a fuck about the people, it's the people who are suffering. Right. And I, for, yeah, from my from her perspective, I'm assuming it's the same as mine. It's just it seems like there is just no support for them specifically. But we're seeing a lot of immigrants coming, not just from Venezuela, uh, Colombia now. Uh, Colombia is getting really bad. They're they're actually working They've on been, a partnership yeah. with Maduro and right. their new president. Cuba, they had uh, what yeah. was that was just a couple months ago, right? When people were like right. literally swimming, on yes. like. <laughs> overflowing boats just to get here from that well and we've had a history i mean when we talk about history of of migrants who have who have fled to this country um i mentioned to the boys before the start at the top of the podcast was when you look back into the 70s you had what was known as the vietnamese boat people cambodians vietnamese uh thai people who were coming here to america on literally skiffs of wood and they declared and they asked for political asylum and we gave it to them, recognizing that the country that they were coming from w- was communist. Um, during the 80s, there was this large exodus of people who were defecting from Russia and some of the high profile, like Olympic, you know, when we had in 1980, it was in, uh, the Olympics were in Lake Placid. And... That was, and there was a number of athletes from Russia who declared political asylum and we took them in. And that was just kind of a high profile move of us saying, look, these, look how bad thing is, things are in these countries and we let them in. And that was, when you look back at it, that was a t- total political play on, on the failures of communism. And, and like we said, we saw the same thing happen in the 50s when, uh, Fidel took over uh, Cuba, and we're seeing, we're, and we are starting to see a lot of the same thing with his brother. His brother Raul is now running uh, Cuba, and situation still hasn't changed. No. And so, in our last segment here, let's move on to then about what these governors, Republicans, governors, nonetheless. I want to get you what your guys's thoughts are on this. Um. And and Travis, I don't know if you have any numbers as far as Texas numbers and amount of immigrants coming in through Texas and versus Florida and all these other places. I don't have that breakdown. No, but couldn't find that one. Yeah. Um, So in the last, um, this is within the last few months. uh, Data from a Syracuse University study suggests that the movement from Texas to New York City may be an opening and easier pathway to asylum for the migrants, helping them stay in the country longer. New York courts have approved just about 70% of asylum relief and other relief uh, applications since 2001. 
the city of Houston, no, take this in, the city of Houston has denied nearly 88% of asylum seekers. Dallas has denied over 72% of such applications of asylum seekers. You know, and <clears throat> I think a lot of the, and so fast forward to what happened back on the 22nd, okay? Governor Greg Abbott of Texas sends five buses. This was on August 24th. Governor Greg Abbott sends five buses of migrants to New York, to New York City, and just dumps them off at the bus station there in New York. Okay? Here you go. And then you then you look at what DeSantis did. DeSantis... Re, is relocating people with with state funds, and the quote that came out from DeSantis, and I need to find this quote. If you have folks that are inclined to think Florida is a good place, our message to them is that we are not a sanctuary state. It's better to be able to go to a sanctuary jurisdiction, and yes, we will help facilitate that transport for you to be able to go to greener pastures. And what DeSantis ended up doing was. Florida then set aside $12 million, taxpayer money, to relocate migrants from the state. And there is, uh, and kind of the, it's already looking kind of shady, is that there is this company that has links to the GOP in Florida that has received $1.6 million to transport immigrants to these cities. And... Overall, you know, when I looked at this, when I looked at this, I'll, I'll see what I think, and then you guys kind of jump in on this. When I look at this, when I look at this situation, I can see both sides of this argument. Mm -hmm. First of all, you know, Arizona and Texas are some of the largest; they're the easiest to get into. I mean, there's parts of the Rio Grande if you go along the Texas border. There's parts of the Rio Grande that have like a little stream running through it. There's other parts of the Rio Grande that is a raging river. And there's some parts where they're not the wall. You can just, you can step over. And so you have all of these illegals coming in. You have women who are coming in, you know, eight and a half, nine months pregnant just so they can have their baby in the United States and have that anchor mm -hmm. baby and have their roots tied here. And, and like you said, Travis, the situation in Central and South America is terrible. You know, you know, my I've been to Mexico twice. I've been to I've been to poor, I've been to uh, Costa Rica four times, and the poverty is just out of this world. And they're, they're terrible situations. What's going on? I can see the point of them coming here, but I can also see the point. Of these governors and these and and senator, you know, these governors saying, "Okay, fine. You want greener pastures? We're going to send you to greener pastures." Now, you were telling us earlier, what did so? What is what is the Venezuelan president doing? He he kind of sees this as an insult. So, what is he doing? And what's his what's been his response to this? So, I've seen a couple news articles covering this, and this was from a border patrol. A report that I guess they submitted for a national security threat. Supposedly, Maduro is emptying his prisons of all criminals. And from what my wife and father-in-law have told me from the sources they read, because they obviously read different sources than us, um, these aren't just like petty crime criminals. These are like murderers. These are rapists. These are like supposedly very bad people. And Maduro is releasing them from prison and he's sending them to the U.S. And, of course, Trump was talking about this recently, too. He kind of blew it up. But um, So I, I hear that, and if people aren't familiar with the situation, obviously Maduro is not a friend of the U.S. Mm -mm. Trump was not nice with Maduro, and honestly, Biden hasn't been very friendly with him either. There is talks in negotiating, or negotiating that could reduce sanctions, which... Hey, you know, if it's better for the, if it's going to help the people, I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, I just wish, honestly, I wish we could have got rid of the guy a long time ago, but that's a different story. Um, 
So what's your thought? What, what was the question again? What Sorry. Is, so no, 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 you're, you're, so what is your, what is your opinion then? I mean, how do you feel about, how do you feel about DeSantis? I mean, DeSantis sent these guys, sent these, yes. and these were Venezuelan migrants, by the way, largely Venezuelan mm -hmm. migrants that he sent to Martha's, to Martha, Martha's Vineyard. And then you add Greg Abbott, who sent him basically to Kamala Harris's front door. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's obviously it's a political move, but at the same time, it's yes. like okay, if you're going to armchair quarterback from two thousand miles away, here you go. I think, um, yeah, number one, it was absolutely a political move, and it's kind of unfortunate that they used immigrants as a political tool like that. Um, however, like you, you made a good point. I can see both sides of this argument because number one, Republicans, especially the ones that in the states along the border who are really feeling the effects of this, they have been begging our the current administration for guidance on this. To hey, look, we're having these issues. We need executive action. We need the federal government to step in on this. Like this is the problem, and it's been nothing. Almost no acknowledgement from our administration about it up until recently, and it hasn't been very productive. So on one hand, yes, I totally understand their frustrations. However, I think it's I, – I just – I find it a little disappointing that the answer is just sending them off somewhere else. But here, you figure it out. It's mm -hmm. like, no, these, these are people I need. Like I, I truly believe most of the people coming across the border genuinely want to come here to – to live a better life. You can call me naive. Um, but I really think they, they mean well, they want to come, they want a better future for their families. Um, it's just, for me, I'm really upset to see. If, all right. Take DeSantis, for example, DeSantis is someone that they're priming to potentially be president. Is that the action I want to see a future president take? Oh, I got these migrants here in New York. You figure it out. No, be a leader. Step up. Figure mm -hmm. something out. Set an example of what right looks like instead of just blaming someone else for it. Is it DeSantis' responsibility to do that? I mean, they're in his state, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, I don't know. I saw it more as just putting the problem off to somebody else. However, again, I get it. They've been asking for action, but it's like, all right, we'll set an example. Do the right thing. Sean, what's your, what's your thoughts, Sean? No, I, I, I'm in total agreement. Um, you know, that this is just such a, a political scheme. Um, and it's kind of a shame because, like, like one of the big things um, that we, we I read in a lot of these, uh, you know, articles about it is that he's using these people as actual political pawns. And like, yes, we, 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 keep forgetting like these are people there are children you know there there's there's so much more at stake here it's not just like uh, like there you know people find it funny and 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 it's kind of tough especially like you know when when for me at least like do, do those people you know do, do they affect me not necessarily no because I, I i don't know any of them but you know knowing that a lot of them are venezuelan and my breast my my best friend's wife is venezuelan and and there's a possibility that she could maybe know some of these people or or know someone that knows these people and then you hear about what they're going through like it's 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 just kind of it's disheartening and it's one of those things where where instead of going look what can we do to rectify this situation and make this better for these people and for the people that are already here in the united states it's hey this will be funny let's send them to napa valley and and, and make the the california whites deal with them you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. it's just like you yeah. you and, and 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 but again like look at how the people in napa valley welcomed them with open arms and and yeah. had tables and had had all kinds of stuff and resources that were there for them you know because here's the thing, like we know, I would say pretty much all of us consider ourselves fiscal conservatives um, when it when it comes to the 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 financial side of the economic side of politics, and we understand that not everything can be sunshine and daisies, and you can have whatever you want, you can and and you can do whatever you want, but 
I speak as someone, you know, my family um, who has we, we've taken advantage of, um, of of social programs that that help out these families. And, um, you know, these these resources need to be allocated and, and we just need to kind of figure out what we can do to protect the American citizen, but then also protect these people that are coming here. Because, you know, I, I remember the, the conversation was always like, you know, I, I remember hearing it when when. Trump was there. He's like, you know, lock your doors because everyone's hopping the border to come take your jobs, take your wives, and take your kids. Well, that that's, was, that yeah. was the, what was the name of that gang? They keep M thirteen M MS thirteen MS thirteen. You know, right? And and this is not to say that there is not human trafficking going on over the border. This is not to say that there are not illegal. I mean. Heroin now is more available in the United States, and the drug, obviously, the drug hotline or the highway is coming from central and south or central and, and southern uh, American countries. When I, I asked, would argue a lot of that fentanyl is, if you look at some stuff, a lot of it's China, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at, so this week's survey question was. And thank you all for, and I, I think it actually helped that we had this up for two weeks. What do you feel needs to be done to help alleviate the immigration crisis that is facing our nation today? 14% said build the wall, secure the borders. Um, 43, 43% said uh, to make citizen, the citizenship process more efficient. Yes. And then, and then, and then, uh, <laughs> And then our good friend Martin Hanley said, make citizenship process more efficient, but also board security, which is where 50% came in and said that. Mm-hmm. So let's, let, I mean, let's spend these last few minutes then going into what can, I mean, and again, we're just three brain farts in, in America here who are armchair courting backing this ourselves. But when you look into, there's got to be, there's got to be a simpler solution. If there's two things that could possibly happen, and we and we, you guys have seen it in your lifetime. You may not have recognized it, but during the Obama administrations, it was pretty much open border policy, and you just saw people driving through. Okay. And then the exact opposite, when you see Trump as president and you see these parent, these kids getting separated from their parents and their parents are in one place, kids are in another, and they're sleeping on the cots with the aluminum blankets and whatever, and you're seeing all that horrible stuff, you know, there's got to be a, a, a happy medium somewhere. And um, you don't want to point this out to too many Trump people, but Joe Biden has, has to a not as much as an extent as what Trump did, but has resumed construction on the border wall. And which is considering he was criticizing Trump for doing that, that's such a PS move for him. Yes, yeah. politics, right? But and 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 that's the other thing that isn't brought out a lot. We're not the only country who builds barriers between country borders. We're not the only ones who do that. When you talk about uh, going, you know, you've got to go through a lot of these places. You have the checkpoints, and if you don't have the proper paperwork, they're going to say, sorry, not today, or, you know. But I, there has to be, I, th- I think that the wall issue is, People will find ways around it. They'll climb it. They'll get through it. I mean, I think the walls become more of an idea than what it actually is. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the wall is more of like a symbol and more of a more of a political narrative than it is actual just what it's meant to be. I don't know. That's just my what it's what it seems like to me, or it seems like what it's become. But. Sure. I was going to say something on the lines of that, but uh, go ahead, Sean. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't have anything. Sorry. Well, okay. So just, just to give you guys, I just Googled this. Okay. Mm -hmm. As of December, 2021, 
border walls are located in the following nations. And we already know about the DMZ between North Korea and South Korea. Okay. I think it's kind of funny there at the demilitarized zone. I watched a 60 minutes uh, report one time and the base that's right there, they put a nine hole golf course and it's like the six hole runs parallel <laughs> with the, with the, with the border and, and the golf and the general's like, they're out there golfing and the general's like, I always like to put one over there into North Korea just to let them know that we're still around, you know, but North Korea, South Korea, um, Hong Kong. Now I have been, I, I have personally seen this wall. There is a wall between Hong Kong and China. You, it, you go from an eight lane highway and they funnel you down to two lanes and, Basically, when you get there in our transport, our van, both times, they opened the door. They had one of those um, temperature scan guns. This is before COVID. And so they would do the temperature scan. Uh, I had to give, we had to give our passports to our driver. Our driver then gave them to the, to the, to the armed guard there at the, and then they looked everything over, checked everything, gave them back, and then were allowed back through. If you go, if you take the train route, it's the same thing. You have to get off and go through uh, immigration. Um, but other ones, South Africa has a wall. Mozambique, Egypt, Egypt, Kuwait, Iraq, Spain, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, um, Turkmenistan, um, Botswana, Zimbabwe, India, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Brunei, uh, Bulgaria, Hungary. So these are all, and there's there's actually more. Belize, there's one between Belize and Guatemala. Uh, there's one between Costa Rica and Nicaragua, Thailand and Malaysia. Um, but you know, what we want to focus on is how how evil you know the walls are. But I think it's it's we're quick to forget that is an inherent power of a sovereign state is to protect its borders and to control immigration. So, you know, I, we, we, have to, we have to examine this. And like you said, Trav, or Travis, there's a lot of people who are dying. You know, they're, they're, picking up, they're picking up bodies. They're picking up bodies at the border. Yeah, they found almost 800 bodies on the Texas border this year alone and they're saying they're probably going to end up finding obviously more it's our it's only september and that's just along the border that's not even counting across mexico Mm-mm. that's not even counting across through the amazon yeah. <laughs> people are yeah. yeah people are making this just trip man it's wild like it's not just it's not like these people are just hopping on a bus and, and just showing up like Mm-mm. they're literally some of them are literally traveling cross country in groups like trying to not get caught by the governments down there because the governments down there in some cases are trying to stop them from leaving. That's yeah. another thing people don't realize. I see that you have your hand raised too, Travis. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. And something else I wanted to go off of, and I was trying to say this earlier and I lost my damn train of thought. Um, Sean had mentioned, um, you know, the, the idea of all oh, these people are going to come take our jobs. I don't know about you two gentlemen. Have you gone down your local town and seen help wanted signs? Yeah. We are obviously experiencing a worker shortage. If people are coming here and not even, let's not even account the, the asylum cases that are coming. The people that apply for visas here and get denied. If we rewarded people from doing the proper, and I'm not saying that people are doing the wrong process by coming and claiming asylum, that they're really fear for their lives. But if we have people that are going through the application process, trying to come here and get work visas and do it the traditional way, why would we not give them the opportunity? Maybe I'm ignorant to macroeconomics, but mm-hmm. I, I don't, I would assume if America's workforce grew and we had people to fill these jobs, wouldn't that drive businesses? Wouldn't that drive income? If we have an influx of these people, not only working and contributing to society and paying taxes, wouldn't that, I don't see how that wouldn't increase infrastructure. We'd have to build more homes. I mean, God, I already see neighborhoods around here growing. Imagine if we actually allowed these people who again are doing the proper process and doing the things right to come here. 
why not give them the opportunity? Why not? Like, I, I don't see how that doesn't help us as a country. I'll tell you why not, Travis. Because <laughs> they go. don't speak American. They don't like, speak have you guys American. Worked, have you guys worked with, like, people from, like, Mexico or yes. Latin America? Yes. They are some of the hardest, hardest workers people ever. Hardest workers. I got, I, I got two guys I work with at my company now. Um, I was working with them for a while, and I got moved to a different crew. And they're both, they're both Hispanic. They are the hardest, some of the hardest working dudes ever. We bust ass when I work with those guys, and they're a great time. We have a great time. They're good people. They work hard to support their family. And I, I don't know. I see. It's just from what I'm seeing. It just, I don't get it. Like I do not understand the the mindset or the the idea that they're coming to take our jobs. I just I, I don't see that. I I had addressed this. I addressed this in my class. This has been it may have been back in your time. So here in Louisiana, we have Stark Brothers Nurseries, and they still have a mm-hmm. large um, Guatemalan. It's not Mexican. It's Guatemalan. We have more Guatemalans in Louisiana than we do Mexicans. I found that out from I forgot who I talked to about that. But there was a time. And they don't, they don't, I haven't seen them do this in a while, but when I lived in Pittsfield, I always timed it to where I pulled up to the four-way there in Louisiana to turn south to go to Clopton. And I would get there right around seven o'clock and every day there would be a bus that pulled up to 79 and 54 there and it would stop and there would be a group of migrant workers who were there at the Ables on the four-way and they got on the bus. And when you look in the newspapers every and still to this day there's still an ad in there offering minimum wage jobs to anybody who will fill out the paperwork have proof of visa and citizenship and all, or visa work visa whatever do you know how many white people i saw getting getting on those buses zero if they're taking jobs they're taking jobs that people don't want and what's really bad about it is they're grateful for it. Yeah, it's it's not bad it's not bad for them, it's bad for us because we don't recognize these folks know how to put in, like you said, Travis, a hard day's work. They well, know they how to work. It. You know, if I, I and I, you know, and what really knocked me in the teeth, and this was about uh this was before the start of school. I had a Mexican missionary knock on my door. He was from the local. We have a we have a Latino church here, and they were they were planning a youth rally for the for the area youth. And I told him, I said, "Man, hey, I was a youth pastor at one time, and I and he and I we talked through his son who was the interpreter. But I'm like, where are you from? And he's like, Guadalajara. You know, he's like, I'm from Guadalajara." I'm, he said, I felt led by God to come here and be a missionary to the United States. I'm like, <laughs> we won't even lift a finger to help some people sometimes. And here's this guy coming from another country to evangelize <laughs> white Americans, you know? <laughs> so, but anyway, cool. as as always, gentlemen, an interesting discussion. And uh, I don't. I don't want to. Yeah, when it was, it was actually kind of crazy too, because I actually have a, a friend uh, named Jose who's here because of Mexican missionary, but that's a completely different, uh, a completely different story. We'll have to have him on for an interview. Great guy. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. Well, um, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and give us. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give us a. Uh, uh, a shout out for what's going to be coming up in the next week. Um, we're going to be starting, hopefully this is going to be a three part series. Um, we're going to call it my hometown. And, uh, I, I, I get to be the first to be on this and, uh, I'm going to have a friend of mine, my longest, one of my longest known childhood friends who is now, he's actually an architect up in your neck of the woods, Travis. He's up in Chicago. Um, I've known him for over 40 years and uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going to talk about how, um, you know, some story, you know, be a little bit more lighthearted, talk about some stories, some memories growing up, um, 
talking about you know differences between now and and then and and it's going to be a really neat series and uh we hope that you guys can join us um i told i told travis and sean you know we start talking to your pervert friends from you know uh, you know i i i could contribute to stories that uh, especially you sean of things and capades that you have done involving members of the same sex and their genitalia and stuff like that and so you know but we we have to try to keep this at least a, a strong PG thirteen, if not a light rated R. So you know, we'll put a we'll put a disclaimer at the bottom for Sean's episode. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if you'll want to make that one one of the extra credit uh, episodes for, uh, for your students. <laughs> Let's put it that way. No, no, no. So anyway, so anything else we yeah, got? That'll be an ex- that's that'll next be an week. That's episode. next week. That starts yeah. next week. Yep. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, a good discussion tonight, gentlemen. Anything else we got to talk about, or anything else you guys want to say? I would I would just close really quick with I I really think the solution really boils down to, and I think we addressed it with the uh, the poll. I really think it comes down to obviously the system's broken and we need changes. I think we just need a more efficient system because it's just so backed up. I, I really think that would alleviate. Of so much of the issues that we're seeing with immigration. So, hey, if you want action, you know, write your senator. Yeah, you know? definitely, definitely. Sean, anything? And vote. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I don't have anything to add other than um, the kind of usual thing. Again, thank you for everyone who continues to listen. I'm really excited to start um, our, our next series with you guys, and I, I, I really hope. You know, one of the big things is, um, you know, we joke around a lot and, we, and, and we, we shoot the shit whenever we do these things. But genuinely, um, one of the big things is, uh, you know, that we just try to do is there's a lot of these conversations that sometimes we don't even know all the know-how, the ins and the outs on how they go. And, and we know that a lot of our listeners don't as well. So please make sure, like, if you did like uh, the episode, if there was things that interested you, um, do your research. And, and, you know, just aside from, like, we, we've, we've pushed it 100 times on the show before. Uh, don't just trust CNN. Don't just trust Fox. You know, just make sure you you get a couple different, um, click a different, a couple different links and watch a couple different videos. And it's okay, like as fucking stupid as Trevor Noah is, like it's okay to listen to some of them uh, go on. You won't have to for much longer. But in the same token, like um, just just broaden your horizons and 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 listen to people from different walks, different backgrounds. And again, like it'll it'll help paint um, a different picture for kind of how you you see things. But um, that's all I've got for this week. And uh, again, I'm seriously really excited to, uh, to talk to you guys next week. We'll see you.